Today on Lockdown Red Wings, we grade Andrew Kopp, David Perron, and Jordan Osterley. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's the host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. And we are going to continue, as always, our player grades. We're getting down to it. We just realized, Scotty, before we hit record here, that. We're starting to get to the last few players on yeah. our player grades. I mean, outside the three we're going to do today, we still got Raymond, Huso, Fabry, and like off the top of my head, I can't remember really many, many others if there's even after that. So you said, well, yeah, yeah, not too many, not too many left uh, for us to cover here. Zarnik, I believe, hits our yeah. criteria, that criteria being Soderblom. Yeah, we'll do Soderblom. I know he only played, he played 20 games to start, right. but he didn't fit. Our criteria here is tw- at least 20 with the team, and he finished the oh, year guess, with yeah, the Red Wings. The a, but. but he was like such a standout player in the first half of the year, not necessarily because of his play, but just because no one expected him to make the team going into camp. That well, I he think stands we'll, out, yeah. We'll give him like a like a super – all these grades are kind of arbitrary, but we'll give him a super arbitrary grade. <laughs> like <laughs> You, you can't, right. really, can't really grade him, but we'll, we'll talk about him at the very least. Um, but, yes, so our grades are, one, arbitrary. They're based on what our Scotty and I's expectations were for that player prior to the season starting. Uh, and then also – you know, it's on a, it's a A through F scale. It just doesn't, it, again, it's just super arbitrary. It doesn't mean a whole lot, but we're just having fun with it, trying to assess what we think, how we think this player did this year. And yeah, uh, the biggest thing that I want to keep reminding is based on expectations preseason. That gets okay. lost in translation and a lot of, uh, and for like hours, our grades that we're talking about are based on our preseason expectations of the player. Yeah. And before we can get to Andrew Kopp, who we're going to be leading off the episode with as our headliner, so to speak, I, we got to take a quick second and just for news and notes mentioned, Simon Edmondson is going to be out the next four to six months with shoulder surgery. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a double-edged sword so to speak, because one, it sucks. He's out four to six months, but at least it happened early in the off season. So hypothetically, if it worst case scenario, Scotty, it were six months, that six months would end in November, kind of like the Jake Wallman situation. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe even, I mean, it's May 1st, 2nd. So like maybe even October, but yeah, that's why I'm saying like worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Worst case would be yeah there. So yeah, I, and four months to kind of puts you at right around the start of the season. So yeah, uh, yeah I mean, this was the time to do it. Uh, at least so uh yeah not not really too much uh to add there but definitely glad that we've seen a lot of a lot of times you know uh injuries and surgeries and stuff that are oh four to six months and it happens in july and those ones are frustrating so i'm glad that uh, it's at least happening at the very beginning of may here yeah that's the silver lining for sure although you do have to wonder if maybe this guarantees he starts in grand rapids just as a conditioning thing and he'll have to work his way i mean he'll have to work his way on another roster regardless but it definitely doesn't give him a leg up in the competition 
but I'm confident in his ability to earn his way back onto the roster, even if that were the case. Yeah. That being said, let's get into our player grades as we're already four minutes into this in our 30, 35 minute episode. Andrew Kopp, Scotty, five years, $5.625 million contract with the Detroit Red Wings in the offseason. This season in 82 games played, he played all 82 despite the fact that he had offseason core surgery. He played every single game. Just the second time in his career, he's played all 82. He had 42 points this season with the Detroit Red Wings, which would have been what puts him at his second highest in his career. Um, but only nine of those points came as goals. 33, a career high, came as assists. Scotty, when it comes to grading Andrew Kopp, this one is probably in like that Philip Zadina, Ben Sherratt tier of like polarizing-esque player where people have two opinions on him. Either it's he's going to be good, let, give him time, or it's uh, just complete bust, way overpaid, shouldn't have given him the money. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Yeah, well, I, I, neither of those. Uh, I said I guess. spectrum. <laughs> You're in between. You can be in between. Yeah, right. That definitely neither of uh, definitely neither of those. Th- this was a, a it was a roller coaster of a season for uh, for Cop in his first season here. Um, we when we brought him in, we were excited. We were pro the signing at, at the time last summer. Uh, he was somebody that we believed was going to get you really solid second line production, play really good forward defense and help you in the faceoff circle as well. And the first month and a half of the season, we really got none of that. Uh, and then the assists started picking up and that was good for point production as you laid out. But um, really the, the biggest thing for me had was always the defense and the help in the faceoff circle, right? Like that really was the the biggest reason for me as to why you brought him on. You, like you said, I mean, he, he's, he's never going to be like a 60 or 70 point guy. Like he, he's, that's, that's not how he plays the game of hockey. That's never going to happen. And if you expected that from him going into the season, that's on you, not on like, that's, that that's just not the type of player he is. But um, when looking at the season, he had the, the goal, total jumps out at you and while even I'm saying this and I'm like hey you know not going to get you a, a boatload of points regardless like nine goals is still objectively less than what we thought going into this and the defense and the faceoff help really didn't come into swing until like the second half of the year almost I mean there was the you know he, he started off slow when a lot of people pointed to the injury missed most of the the preseason all of the preseason I believe if I remember right um, and, uh, so opening night was his, you know, first game and he ended up playing all 82, but, uh, it, it just, a, a slow start that really, as far as putting the puck in the back of the net, never really caught up to him. Uh, but I do think that he played pretty sound defense. I mean, we were talking the last couple of months of the season, especially when we were looking at our like expected goals for stuff and whatnot. Um, it, it, again, it took him a while to get there, but eventually he was consistently toward the top of those lists on a game to game basis. So it, it's another one where it's hard to really judge the entire outlook of the whole season for me. Um, but it definitely a roller coaster of a season for sure. So are you going to give him a grade or. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why in my head I said it at the beginning. Um, it, it, it's really tough. I think. 
I thought you were just gonna sit on the fence there and hope I would take over and just no, completely... <laughs> no. I, I I I take my uh, my going first with pride. I honestly I'm debating between a C. Man, like anywhere in the C range. <laughs> like I I'm I'm heavily debating a C minus honestly, and like just. Because again, when we talk about expectations, if that's truly what we're basing this off of, even though I was a huge fan of what he did in the last few months of the season, um, uh, over the the course of 82, objectively, probably didn't live up to to what most people thought we were getting out of uh, of what we gave him. So I guess, yeah, either like a a low solid C or a a high C minus, I think is what I'm going to go with. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there. I'm actually kind of surprised by that just based on how we spoke of how you spoke of him during the player award uh, episode we did on Monday. I was kind of expecting you to give him like a B range grade. I'm kind of shocked at the C, C minus and because I'm right there too. My my thing, I'm obviously I echo a lot of the sentiments you had. Um, it's hard to grade the first half of that season coming into the year. No training camp off of a core surgery. I mean, your core is everything and like everything you do, like not even just hockey. So it's hard to criticize him on this slow start to the year when you're coming in cold like that. And he played all 82 games. When you look solely at the point totals, I know the goal totals is disappointing for a lot of people. Nine goals is a bummer, but that's not that far off of his like career normal. Last year was an aberration for him with 21 goals. Like if you think that a player in their contract year setting a career high is probably the player you're going to get. More times than not, that's not really always the case. Right, yeah. But it is with Larkin because he did that exactly the exact thing this year. But he still had the second best year of his career point wise. His best year before his 53 point year last year was 39. He had 42 points this year. He's always been a playmaker. He had 40, he had 33 assists, which was his career high. He's a defensive for he's a two way forward who plays a lot of defensively smart hockey and sets up his teammates. He had 33 assists. That part is impressive. But at $5.625 million, I'm not going to say that I don't want more goal scoring out of him. While I understand 21 goals last year was probably a bit of an aberration, I would hope that he could at least get 15 to 16 while still dishing out 30 to 35 assists every single year. Well, and, That's and, the and range I want. For sure. And and to even like the other aspects of the game, I mean, the, the one glaring one that's super easy to look at is like face-off percentage. This is a dude that has a has a 52 career, 52% career face-off win percentage and in the years leading up to like the only reason it's even at 52 is because the first three years of career of his career he was a sub 50 like if you look at the the last few years in Winnipeg I mean you're talking about like a a guy that was consistently at 53 to even 55 and a half percent in the face-off circle and this year with the wings was sub 50 he was a 49.8 percent so like that and again it got better as the season went along like a lot of stuff if I was to do first half second half it would be like first half was like a d plus and the second half was probably like a c plus so that brings me to a c minus I guess overall just like law of averages there like it really is kind of a tale of two halves but you know even if you don't want to look at the goal scoring like you said the stuff we wanted to see from him he didn't excel in either Exactly. I'm glad you said that because the point I was building up to was that his point totals were in line with kind of what you should have expected. People who wanted him to score more goals. I'm sorry. That's not who Andrew Kopp is. Yeah. He's a playmaker. It's it's the 
listen, how, how do I say this nicely? His player card on evolving hockey is he's fourth percentile overall. Yeah. This year, that's brutal. Seventh percentile offense, 13th percentile defense. And he played all 82 games. So that's a huge sample size. Again, you try and factor the fact that he was recovering in there, but he was the fourth worst player on the team at five on five expected goals, four percentage. His expected goals, four percentage as an individual player was sub 43%, which means yeah. more times than not, not when good. he was out there, the team was getting hammered with shot like and this is a guy that's supposed to be defensively sound. Yep. So like the sole reason he's even getting a C minus from me is just because at least his point totals were around the range you had you would hoped, but his off puck game clearly wasn't at its best this year. And from the faceoffs like you said, from the being able to shut down the opposing team's offense, from being able to generate offense. I mean, yeah, he had 30 he had a career high in assists, but it when it comes to creating quality shooting attempts he it wasn't there for him. Not saying it won't get better. That's why we said all year it's going to be really hard to grade Andrew Cop because we know what kind of injury he's coming off of. And I stand by that. I'm I'm giving this year as a mulligan for Andrew Cop in terms of like whether or not he's a bust, right? But if I if I have to give him a grade, which that's what we're doing, I would have to give him a C minus because overall he did not live quite up to the expectations. But there is still some things to like about what he did. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you. And 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 again, like if we didn't see signs that like, hey, this player is still in here over the last couple of months, then I I would probably be uh, more harsh as yeah. well. But uh, th- I mean, I was one of the people talking about it the most in the last two or three months of the season. Uh, he he really upticked not only point production, uh, which is you know everybody's favorite thing to look at with. Uh, with forwards, but also just those like analytics and those possession metrics and whatnot also got a, a heck of a lot better in uh, in the last like eight weeks of the season. So I, I am hoping that healthy off season, et cetera, we can go into next fall and uh, and get the player we paid for all year. Absolutely. Uh, so we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about David Perron. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about game time. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, and so, so much more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. And if you snag those tickets, you're going to have a lot less uh, stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are going to move on to doing uh, a David Perron grade. You know, this one should be a little bit happier, hopefully, for the two of us. Uh, we talked a lot about it, David Perron, actually, during the player awards because he won best newcomer for myself and for you too, right? You, that's the guy you said. Yeah. Uh, I only I only listen to myself talk, so I can't remember what you say on any given day. But I guess I'll reiterate some of what was said the other day uh david perron 56 points 24 goals 32 assists he was this he had the second highest points on the team again 82 games just like andrew Kopp and more cider um 
Yeah, he was just as advertised. In fact, if you look at his player card, 76th percentile, 79th percentile in offense alone, while 45th percentile in defense, but that's that's David Perron. You're signing him to be potent in the offensive zone and on the power play. And he was just that. I believe I said the other day, he led the team with 16 even strength goals, which was huge because you would expect that to be like Dylan Larkin's candidate category, but Dylan Larkin actually led the team in power play goals. So David Perron came in, you signed him to a what two year, four point something million dollar contract. And he provided exactly what you expected. Um, my, my main criticism of David Perron would probably be, be that his production a lot of his production came too little too late. You know, late in the season, he really turned it on and scored a lot of goals when in reality, it didn't really matter for the team's playoff odds. I mean, yeah, they weren't eliminated yet, but where was that production when he was cold during the middle of the season and they were in the thick of things, you know? That'd be my biggest complaint. But with that being said, I mean, he still had, he still, as a 34-year-old, he was right in line with his career, uh, his season totals across his career. Uh, 56 points this year, 57 points last year, 58 points the year before, 60 points the year before that, 46. If you go back, I mean, he's just like right in line. He was, like I said, as advertised. It's crazy how consistent his point totals were. So, I mean, if you're going based on expectations, he he was exactly what you wanted him to be. So where do I give him a grade? That's the question. Because if C is meeting those expectations, wouldn't he technically be a C? But like... I'm giving him a C plus. I'm giving David Perron a C plus. I think. I think that's where I'm going to land. Just because, just because of the fact that he was what was expected again, but at the same time, that potency cannot be ignored. On that he brought to the the top, middle, lower six. You could just slot him in anywhere. Uh, it's I kind of want to give him a B too, though. But it doesn't. If if I'm Asking myself, did he exceed expectations? It'd be no, but his expectations were so much higher than a lot of other guys. I don't know. What do you think? Maybe you can talk me into a certain grade. Well, I I think for me, this conversation is very weird because if we're going back in time to last August and someone is saying, hey, guys, David, I'm from the future. I'm not going to tell you how many goals it is, but David per- David Perron finishes second on the team in goals this year. I think we all consider that a win, right? I think yeah. we consider that a massive win. Now, when you find out that second on the team in goals is about 24, it's not probably too far off from what we thought. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe we thought we Raymond's probably the one glaring one where we probably thought we were going to get more goals from uh from him but like outside of that i mean a a 30 goal season from larkin i guess maybe like if burt makes it through the season maybe we expect a little bit more out of uh out of that as well but i i think if if someone had told you like hey we just signed the dude that's going to be in the top two on the team in goal scoring i think that we would consider that a a pretty a pretty big win uh all things considered and well he was second on the team in points too right pretty comfortably so it's it, it, it is tough because point total wise, yes, it, it's about on par with what he's consistently done year in and year out for uh, a lot of years now. But uh, when comparing him to, you know, finding where he falls into the rest of the team, 
uh, I think you're, I don't know. I don't know if that should really be a factor or not into preseason expectations. I don't know which one to weigh more, but I'm, I'm right there with you. I think I'm going to go B minus just to like split the difference between going as high as a B and, but still giving him more than a C plus. I think um, not only was nice, not only was, uh, was he, I mean, like we just said, second in the, in the team in pretty much all offensive categories, but also very important to that stretch there where we did kind of play ourselves into contention for like half a millisecond. Uh, like he was, he was very vital into that and, and was in the second half of the season, a consistent goal scorer. And that's not that he didn't score in the, I mean, he scored, I think five goals in the first month of the season. Like it wasn't like he was just, uh, like, like it wasn't that dramatic of a first half, second half, like it, it was for some of these other players, but definitely found the consistency a little bit more in the, in the second half of the season, which post trade deadline didn't meet as much to your point. So I think I'm going to go with a B minus. I think this was a really solid year. It was what we signed up for and it, on the optics of comparing him to the rest of the team. Uh, I, I think that this was a, this was a pretty good year for Perron. Yeah. I mean, he had what now I I'm looking at just different things. He had like 15 points in his last 14 games, something like that along those lines. Yeah. It, it's just one of those things where it, it, I wish the production, that level of production he had 18 points in his last 20 games, nine goals, nine assists. And I wish that production had come just a little bit sooner because that not having that really hurt the Red Wings earlier in the season. And I wish they had had that man. Hockey reference is really making me frustrated. He had 15 points in his last 14. So if you even shrink that sample size smaller, it was over a point per game in the last 14. But I did also, well, as you were talking, I did reconcile as well to a B minus just because and again, this one might even, if, if you're listening and you're like, Brian sounds like a hypocrite because if a C is meeting their expectations, he's giving a B minus like, yeah, you know what? I'm being a little bit hypocritical. I, I, I like David Perron. I liked what he brought. So I'm going to give him a B minus, even though his he met expectations, like pretty much. Well, there's stability. There, yeah. I, I think it's also skewed because this team just so desperately needs goal scoring that, like, when you're trying to talk about like fulfilling team needs, like, yes, he brought you what you signed up for, pretty much, but. You desperately needed him to score goals because no one on this team can consistently score goals. So, like, I think the fact that he filled in a role that this team is so desperate for also probably skews our judgment a little bit. Yeah, I'm, it just stinks because I'm looking at this right now. There was a stretch from late December to middle of January. He had eight games in a row with no points, and that was such an important stretch for the Red Wings. Well, he had right. He the October, November, December. He was still like just honestly just under a point a game. Like he was still really productive there in uh, in the first whatever that is, little less than half of the season. But January, Feb, January was really the brutal one. He had three points in the entire month of January. Like that's. Yeah. That, and that was a really rough stretch for the team. And then in February, eight points in 12 games, okay. And then by March, he was back to, to 12 points in 15, and then was a point-a-game player almost uh, in the last month of the season. So, like, if you if you just get the production you got in every other month of the season in January and February, you're talking about uh, even, even uh, an even better season. But obviously that didn't happen. We can't play the what-if game, but – um, just to, to shine a little light on kind of where it wasn't just a first half, second half. It was just like a two-month stretch right in the middle of the season 
where uh, where his his production kind of went out the window. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so B minus for you, B minus for me. Sounds good. Uh, Met, we kind of found a middle ground there to be happy. I don't mind if I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. I like David Perron. So be it. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Jordan Osterley. I think he's the last of our defensemen that we got to get to. So stay tuned to Lockdown Red Wings. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. All right, Scotty, let's talk about Jordan Osterley. I think this might be a pretty quick conversation. Uh, Jordan Osterley this season. Uh, let's see, where is he at? He, sorry, apologies, my friends. He had and 11 points in 52 games. 11 points in 52 games played. Um, minus nine on the season. He was a seventh defenseman and he filled that role pretty much exactly how you would think a seventh defenseman would fill that role. And he was a guy. He was a body on the last year of his contract. I have no ill will or positive feelings towards Jordan Osterle on the ice of the three seventh defense, seventh defenseman that this team rotated between, which is crazy to think. Uh, they had no true sixth defenseman. They just had three seventh defensemen. I think he was like the middle of the three. I think Robert Haig was the best, and Lindstrom was probably the, the most underwhelming. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he provided ice time. That's that's yeah, my review. I, I think this is, a, this is a pretty slam dunk definition of a C if you're, again, if you're doing it based on expectations, which is one, something I want to keep reiterating. Um, I, I think this is pretty much a C. Like, he, he gave you – what you asked for i uh, didn't excel didn't uh didn't give you anything more than what you signed up for but also wasn't uh, a liability no one's out there like oh my goodness jordan osterlays uh in the game tonight this is going to be a disaster like no he, he filled the the role of what what a 30 year old seventh d man does like that's that's what he did and uh yeah i, I don't really have to <laughs> Too much else to add, honestly. I know that you said this was going to be a quicker one, and then we went long on the first two, so that's fair. But, um, yeah, I, I think this is kind of the definition of uh, of a C if you're doing on uh, on expectations going into the year. Yeah, I'll go C- minus uh, for me personally just because, yeah, he was that seventh defenseman, but also if you look at all the extra stuff that goes on, he was near the bottom of the team and expected goals 4%, and I don't put a lot of stock in that. I know I do that. But if you look at his player card as well, he was a 10th percentile defenseman, 14th percentile uh, offensive rank, and 22nd percentile defensive rank. And let guys, just so you know, the lower you are in the percentile rank, the less of an impact you had. He was below average or below zero. He had a negative, I should say, expected goals for percentage at offense, goals, uh, I'm sorry, goals above replacement, expected goals above replacement. And then on defense, even strength defense, he was a negative at goals above replacement and expected goals above replacement. So it's just like he was, he was not a plus player on the ice, even when he was playing. Yeah, I mean, if just... he was a plus player, he wouldn't be a seventh D man. Yeah. And then there's truth to that. But I think <laughs> for that reason, he's he, for me, he would be a, a, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you compare that to guys like a guy like Robert Haig, who albeit just very minimally, but did have a, have positive metrics above goals above replacement. He was above a replacement level player defensively. Osterley wasn't even that much. So it's just like, I guess I know it's not fair to compare to other players because we're saying we're comparing them against our expectations of themselves, but being a below replacement level player, even as a seventh D man is like warranting of a C minus for me. Sure. Fair enough. All right. Um, the poll. I'm going to talk to you guys about the poll that I put out yesterday. I'll put it, I'll pull it by the time you guys are listening to this. I'll probably have a poll out for today's episode as well. 
Um, Jonathan Berggren, 222 guys voted, 20, 222 people voted, and 67% gave Berggren a B, which is in line with what we gave him. 24% gave him an A. Um, so a lot of people also thought he deserved an A. Ben Sherratt, 57% of you decided to give him a C. 35% gave him a D. Uh, but again, that has to think to do with the fact that you can't use F as an option. So again, there's less nuance to these. Um, and Robert Haig, 60% of you, and this one surprised me, 60% of you gave him a D. Well, 33% of you gave him a C. A lot less forgiving on Robert Haig than Scotty and I were. Um, but one person did reply to that comment and said Robert Haig was the dog. So That's objectively true. If, so that there's your guys' results for how you guys thought these players graded out this season. Uh, Scotty, any final thoughts? We ball. We ball. Uh, so to recap, we both gave Piranha B minus. We both gave Coppa C minus. I gave Osterley a C minus. You gave Osterley a C. We'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. Same play, same place. Good Lord. Oh. Off season mode, man. Off season mode. How do you sleep at night? Comfortably. <laughs> two pillows that's good i'm glad two pillows same time same place your team every day every day <laughs>